We're continuing our perpetual reading of the Srimad Bhagavatam. We're on Canto 2, Chapter 6, Purusha Sukta. Purusha Sukta confirmed. I'm taking up at text number 1. Brahmo Vacha. Vacham Vanir Mukam. Vacham Vanir Mukam Shetram. Chandasam Saptadatva. Havya Kavyam Britan Nanam Jihwa Sarva Rasasyacha. Lord Brahma said, The mouth of the Virat Purusha, the universal form of the Lord, is the generating center of the voice and the controlling deity is fire. His skin and six other layers are the generating centers of the Vedic hymns, and his tongue is the productive center of different foodstuffs and delicacies for offering to the demigods, the forefathers, and the general mass of people. Purport. The opulences of the universal form of the Lord are described herein. It is said that his mouth is the generating center of all kinds of voices, and its controlling deity is the fire demigod. And his skin and other six layers of bodily construction are the representative generating centers of the seven kinds of Vedic hymns, like the Gayatri. Gayatri is the beginning of all Vedic mantras, and it is explained in the first volume of Srimad Bhagavatam. Since the generating centers are the different parts of the universal form of the Lord, and since the form of the Lord is transcendental to the material creation, it is to be understood that the voice, the tongue, the skin, etc. suggests that the Lord in his transcendental form is not without them. The material voice, or the energy of taking in foodstuff, is generated originally from the Lord. Such actions are but perverted reflections of the original reservoirs. The transcendental situation is not without spiritual variegatedness. In the spiritual world, all the perverted forms of material variegatedness are fully represented in their original spiritual identity. The only difference is that material activities are contaminated by the three modes of material nature, whereas the potencies in the spiritual world are all pure because they are engaged in the unalloyed transcendental loving service of the Lord. In the spiritual world, the Lord is the sublime enjoyer of everything, and the living entities there are all engaged in his transcendental loving service without any contamination of the modes of material nature. The activities in the spiritual world are without any of the inebrieties of the material world, but there is no question of impersonal voidness on the spiritual platform, as suggested by the impersonalists. Devotional service is defined in the Narada Pancharatra as follows. Sarvopadi vanir muktam nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevanam bhaktiruchite. Originally, since all the senses are produced of the Lord's reservoir of senses, the sensual activities of the material world 
are to be purified by the process of devotional service, and thus the perfection of life can be attained simply by purifying the present position of our material activities. And the purifying process begins from the stage of being liberated from the conception of different designations. Every living entity is engaged in some sort of service, either for the self or for the family, or for the society, country, etc. But unfortunately, all such services are rendered due to material attachment. The attachments of the material affinity may be simply changed to the service of the Lord, and thus the treatment of being freed from material attachment begins automatically. The process of liberation is therefore easier through devotional service than by any other methods. For in the Bhagavad Gita 12.5, it is said that one is subjected to various kinds of tribulations if one is impersonally attached. Klesho dikartaraste sham avyakta sakta chetasam. Everyone okay? Better than okay. You're sitting in Vrindavan hearing Bhagavatam, right? Text number two. I'm going to read for a little while because it's nice to just um, take in what Prabhupada's saying, just straight through, and then I'll stop at intervals after I, re I read a few verses and purports. And we can take some reflections or questions just to uh, expand the conversation. Does that sound okay? Okay. Sarvasunam vayoscha tanase paramayane ashvinor oshadinamcha Granomoda Pramodayo. His two nostrils are the generating centers of our breathing and of all other airs. His smelling powers generate the Ashvini Kumara, demigods, and all kinds of medicinal herbs. And his breathing energies produce different kinds of fragrance. Rupanam chajasam chakshur divya suryasya chakshini karanao disham chathirtanam shotram akasha shabdayoho. His eyes are the generating centers of all kinds of forms, and they glitter and illuminate. His eyeballs are like the sun and the heavenly planets. His ears hear from all sides and are receptacles for all the Vedas. And his sense of hearing is the generating center of the sky and all kinds of sound. The word Tirtanam is sometimes interpreted to mean the places of pilgrimage but Srila Jiva Goswami says that it means the reception of the Vedic transcendental knowledge. The propounders of the Vedic knowledge are also known as the Tirtas. Research department is in place, ready for when we need you. We don't need you now yet, but what, just be ready. Tadgatram vastusaranam 
saubhagasya cha bhajanam twagasya sparshavayoscha sarvavidhasya chaivahi. His bodily surface is the breeding ground for the active principles of everything and for all kinds of auspicious opportunities. His skin, like the moving air, is the generating center for all kinds of sense of touch and is the place for performing all kinds of sacrifice. The air is the moving agent of all the planets and as such the generating centers for promotion to the deserving planets, the sacrifices, are his bodily surface and are naturally the origin of all auspicious opportunities. Haribo. Roman Yubhija Jatenam Yarva Yagnas Tusamrataha Kesha Shmashru Nakanyasya Shila Lobhabra Vidyutam. The hairs on his body are the cause of all vegetation, particularly of those trees which are required as ingredients for sacrifice. The hairs on his head and face are reservoirs for the clouds, and his nails are the breeding ground of electricity, stones, and iron ores. Purport, the polished nails of the Lord generate electricity, and the clouds rest on the hairs of his head. One can therefore collect all sorts of necessities of life from the person of the Lord. And therefore, the Vedas affirm that everything that is produced is caused by the Lord. The Lord is the supreme cause of all causes. Bahavolokapalanam prayasha shema karmanam the Lord's arms are the productive fields for the great demigods and other leaders of the living entities who protect the general mass. Purport. The important, this important verse of Srimad Bhagavatam is corroborated and nicely explained in the Bhagavad Gita 1041-42 as follows. Yadyat bibhudimat sattvam Srimad urjitam evava there are many powerful kings, leaders, learned scholars, scientists, artists, engineers, inventors, excavators, archaeologists, industrialists, politicians, economists, business magnates, and many more powerful deities or demigods like Brahma, Shiva, Indra, Chandra, Surya, Varuna, and Marut, who are all protecting the interests of the universal affairs of maintenance in different positions, and all of them are different powerful parts and parcels of the Supreme Lord. 
The Supreme Lord Sri Krishna is the father of all living entities who are placed in different high and low positions according to their desires or aspirations. Some of them, as particularly mentioned above, are specially endowed with powers by the will of the Lord. A sane person must know for certain that a living being, however powerful he may be, is neither absolute nor independent. All living beings must accept the origin of their specific power as mentioned in this verse. And if they act accordingly, then simply by discharging their respective occupational duties, they can achieve the highest perfection of life, namely eternal life, complete knowledge, and inexhaustible blessings. What do they get? The highest perfection of life, namely eternal life, complete knowledge, and inexhaustible blessings. And would anybody here like to have inexhaustible blessings? I can't see everybody, but just when you hear something like that, you should raise your hand right away. Don't hesitate. As long as the powerful men of the world do not accept the origin of their respective powers, namely the personality of Godhead, the actions of Maya illusion will continue to act. The actions of Maya are such that a powerful person misled by the illusory material energy wrongly accepts himself as all in all and does not develop God consciousness. As such, the false sense of egoism, namely myself and mine, has become overly prominent in the world and there is a hard struggle for existence in human society. The intelligent class of men, therefore, must admit the Lord as the ultimate source of all energies and thus pay tribute to the Lord for his good blessings. Simply by accepting the Lord as the supreme proprietor of everything, since he actu is actually so, one can achieve the highest perfection of life. I'll read that again. Simply by accepting the Lord as the supreme proprietor of everything, since he is actually so, one can achieve the highest perfection of life. Who could give me a verse that expresses that the supreme Lord is the proprietor of all? I'm thinking, of course, of the Fish Upanishad. Would you like to say the verse? Good. Yeah. Yes, I was thinking of that verse. It's quite to the point that, he, that the Supreme Lord is the owner and controller of everything. One should therefore accept only those things necessary for oneself, which are set aside as his quota, and one should not accept other things knowing well to whom they belong. It makes life easier, doesn't it? Because as soon as I want to control something or own something, then it becomes a problem for me. Do you find that? Anybody else, or is it just me? Yeah. Yeah. And what's... What's a more advantageous situation, do you suppose, to be a king or be the servant of the king? Yeah, kingship is not so easy. Not that I would know, but temple president's enough. Whatever a person may be in the estimation of the social order of things, if a person 
tries to reciprocate a feeling of love towards the Supreme Personality of Godhead and is satisfied with the blessings of the Lord, he will at once feel the highest peace of mind for which he is hankering life after life. These sentences are so rich. I have to read them twice. Would you like to hear it again? Yes. Here you go. We can do whatever we want. We're sitting in Vrindavan under a tree reading Bhagavatam together. We're totally free to organize whichever way we want. Whatever a person may be in the estimation of the social order of things, if a person tries to reciprocate a feeling of love towards the Supreme Personality of God and is satisfied with the blessings of the Lord, he will at once feel the highest peace of mind for which he is hankering life after life. Whatever a person may be in the estimation of the social order of things, if a person tries to reciprocate a feeling of love towards the Supreme Personality of Godhead and is satisfied with the blessings of the Lord, he will at once feel the highest peace of mind for which he is hankering life after life. Peace of mind, or in other words, the healthy state of mind, can be achieved only when the mind is situated in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. So you want to make sure that you notate these last two sentences, where they're from. The parts and parcels of the Lord are endowed with specific powers for rendering service unto the Lord, just as a big business magnate's sons are empowered with specific powers of administration. The obedient son of the father never goes against the will of the father and therefore passes life very peacefully in concurrence with the head of the family, the father. Similarly, the Lord being the father, the all living beings should fully and satisfactorily discharge the duty and will of the father as faithful sons. This very mentality will at once bring peace and prosperity to human society. Sadhu Sadhu. Vikramo Pur Bhuva Shwascha Shemasya Shavanasya Sarva Kama Rasyapi Haresh Charana Aspadam. Thus, the forward steps of the Lord are the shelter for the upper, lower, and heavenly planets, as well as for all that we need. His lotus feet serve as protection from all kinds of fear. Purport, for absolute protection from all sorts of fear, as well as for our needs of life, we must take shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord, not only in this planet, but also in all the upper, lower, and heavenly planets. This absolute dependence on the lotus feet of the Lord is called pure devotional service, and it is directly hinted at within this passage. No one should have any kind of doubt in this matter, nor should one be inclined to seek the help of any other demigods, because all of them are dependent on him only. Everyone except the Lord himself is dependent on the mercy of the Lord. Even the all-pervading supersoul is also dependent on the supreme aspect of Bhagavan, the personality of Godhead. I'm going to read one more and then we'll take a few reflections. Apam viryasya sargasya parjanyasya prajapate punsa shishna 
upastastu prajatyananda nirvrit prajatyananda nirvrite from the lord's genitals originate water semen generatives rains and the procreators his genitals are the cause of a pleasure that counteracts the distress of begetting purport the genitals and the pleasure of begetting counteract the distresses of family encumbrances one would cease to generate altogether if there were not by the grace of the lord a coating a pleasure-giving substance on the surface of the generative organs this substance gives a pleasure so intense that it counteracts fully the distress of family encumbrances a person is so captivated by this pleasure-giving substance that he is not satisfied by begetting a single child that increases the number of children with great risk in regard to maintaining them simply for this pleasure-giving substance this pleasure-giving substance is not false however because it originates from the transcendental body of the lord in other words the pleasure-giving substance is a reality but it has taken on an aspect of pervertedness on account of material contamination in the material world sex life is the cause of many distresses on account of material contact therefore the sex life in the material world should not be encouraged beyond the necessity there is a necessity for generating progeny even in the material world but such generation of children must be carried out with full responsibility for spiritual values the spiritual values of life can be realized in the human form of material existence and the human being must adopt family planning with reference to the context of spiritual values and not otherwise the the degraded form of family restriction by use of contraceptives etc is the grossest type of material contamination materialists who use these devices want to fully utilize the pleasure potency of the coating on the genitals genitals by artificial means without knowing the spiritual importance and without knowledge of spiritual values the less intelligent man tries to utilize only the material sense pleasure of the genitals and now we'll take a few reflections reflection just means anything you heard so far that impacts you or that you're taking with you or if you want to ask a question to expand the conversation that would be acceptable also yes hari krishna well Prabhupada explains it in an earlier verse and that is that of course uh, in the bhagavad gita krishna talks about how everything's dependent on him um he describes the brahmana fulgens brahmano hi pratishtaham amritasya vyasacha shashvatasya chatarmasya sukasya ikantikasya cha that the brahmana fulgens come from me comes from me and also the paramatma is in the material world uh, as a representative of krishna as much as um if you uh hold a county fair and you need a constable or a group of of um security details there to to watch over temporarily the show as probably gives us example in one of his purports then uh they're there uh in the material world of course krishna says in the bhagavad gita samaham sarvabhuteshu nami dveshos dinapriya uh 
So, in the material world, actually, he says, I'm equal to everybody. I don't hate anybody, nor do I favor anybody. He is here in a neutral state, overseeing and permitting, as stated in the 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, and more or less fulfilling the desires of the living entities since the time immemorial. He's there in the material world fulfilling the desires of every living entity. However, as Prabhupada points out in an earlier purport, that can't be the entire scope of describing the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We know from the Srimad Bhagavatam that the absolute truth, Advaya Gyan Tattva, is described in three aspects. Vedanti Tattva Viras Tattvam Yaj Gyanam Advayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Shabdite. So, uh, of these three aspects, everything emanates from Bhagavan. And as Prabhupada points out, I'm saying for the three, third time, that he is. Uh, not simply an order supplier. This is not the, the ultimate profile of God. <laughs> he has to have his own life somewhere because he's the supreme enjoyer, Bhuktaram Jagyatapasam. And therefore, the just by logic, the um, function of the, the super soul, uh, which is to facilitate the living, in, living beings in the material world, remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness, 1515, and also Bhagavatam, 1st He, along with the creation, comes along with the living entities into particular bodies and reminds them of their previous desires and facilitates that, accommodates it. So the, um, the super soul is therefore not the ultimate aspect of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He's uh, a functionary here in this material world, fulfilling the, uh, the desires of the living entities out of his kindness. In the second half of uh, 929, we find, If, as Prabhupada mentioned in those few sentences that I went back over a few times, didn't I? research department because we made notations of where they were right thank you then well, then uh, if somebody ye bhajanti to somebody turns their attention towards krishna then there's a different relationship not tit for tat as there is the relationship with the super soul practically uh, uh, krishna in the material world the purusha avatars are described as uh, half half-closed eyes, at least Karna Dakshai Vishnu, Prahlad Maharaj and, and Bhagavatam 7 Canto 9 chapter talks about how the Lord is sleeping with half-closed eyes because the material world is not a very exciting place, actually. Because everyone just like, can I have this? Can I have that? Ooh, I don't like it. Can I have something else? And Krishna's uh, not thoroughly impressed with the goings-on in the material world and the living entities. Whereas we see in the spiritual world the epitome of, of the, the um, or in parallel, the Lord's eyes are wide open like Lord Jagannath because of the ecstasy he's feeling in relationship with the devotees in Vrindavan 
for fully engaged in his devotional service. So there are subordinate aspects of the Lord, even though they're Advaya Gyantapha. It's one truth, there's no difference, but they have different features, different aspects. Does that help? Okay. Any other reflections or, or question? Do you like this? Yes, okay. Yes, Rindar, you can remind. Prabhupada talks about, she likes it, Prabhupada talks about absolute dependence. And it reminds her of the prayers of Queen Kunti where she expresses her complete dependence on the Lord. And also Prabhupada talks about being satisfied with the blessings of Krishna. And that's a way to get peace of mind. And that, I like that too. The, being satisfied with the blessings of the Lord. The, the uh, opposite of that is a sense of entitlement. If I have entitlement, which is the opposite of gratitude, then uh, I can't appreciate anything because I'm expecting to get it. If I'm not expecting to get it, then everything I get is a blessing. And Krishna consciousness really means to be aware that everything I'm getting is a blessing. It's coming from Krishna. I've done the very basic level, nityo nityanam chetanas chetananam eko bahunam And Krishna is maintaining all the living entities. And even that in and of itself is a marvel. But um, oftentimes people miss it because they expect it. Or they expect more than they're getting at the time. In the Gita, Krishna says, yadrichchalabhasantushto. Uh, come to the state of uh, living where you take uh, pleasure only in those things that come of their own accord, the pain that comes of its own accord. Which is practically everything, if you're not if you don't have a sense of entitlement. Now, thank you for sharing that. We'll take one more. What did you hear? Yes. Oh, how do? You, yeah. I, yeah, I just mentioned if you have a sense of entitlement, it it um, is the uh, enemy of gratitude. Did you have a how a how question? Well, you can just start looking at things in a little differently, or you can wait until Krishna gives you a teachable moment. Sometimes Krishna is kindly kindly takes away a lot of the things we thought that were ours that we we are entitled to. And then we have a sense of starting over. I once heard this interview with this, hey, that's my big pen, be careful. I heard an interview with this woman who was a music critic, and she was a, a self-described snob. Look it up, please, snob, S-N-O-B. However, she had a near-death experience. Left her body, came back in aware of the fact that it happened and lived to see another day and she said after that even elevator music was precious to her ears so it's a, really a matter of perspective that uh, we can develop and hearing from Bhagavatam can help us develop that perspective and just see that whatever we do have is tenuous. We can lose it at any moment, and also 
um, we can look and see that we have gifts that we may be overlooking right now. What does it mean, snob? Can you hear back there? Okay, speak louder. And the other one is like on a Shakespearean stage. Should I repeat Yeah, but go into like a drama mode. A person with an exaggerated respect for high social or for high social position or wealth who seeks to associate with social superiors and looks down on those regarded as socially inferior. The other reason is a person who believes that their tastes in a particular area superior to those of other people. Yeah. Okay, we'll read a couple more. Everyone happy? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Narada. The evacuating outlet of the universal form of the Lord is the abode of the controlling deity of death, Mitra. And the evacuating hole and the rectum of the Lord is the place of envy, misfortune, death, hell, etc. Parabhuter adharmasya tamashashchapi parachima nadyo nada nadinamcha Gotranam astisam hatihi. The back of the Lord is the place for all kinds of frustration and ignorance, as well as for immortality. From his veins flow the great rivers and rivulets, and on his bones are stacked the great mountains. Purport. In order to defy the impersonal conception of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, a systematic analysis of the physiological and anatomical constitution of his transcendental body is given here. It is clear from the available description of the body of the Lord, his universal form, that the form of the Lord is distinct from the forms of ordinary mundane conception. In other words, he is never a formless void. Ignorance is the back of the Lord, and therefore the ignorance of the less intelligent class of men is also not separate from his bodily conception. Since his body is the complete whole of everything that be, one cannot assert that he is impersonal only. On the contrary, the perfect description of the Lord holds that he is both impersonal and personal simultaneously. The personality of Godhead is the original feature of the Lord, and his impersonal emanation is but the reflection of his transcendental body. Those who are fortunate enough, those who are fortunate enough to have a view of the Lord from the front can realize his personal feature, whereas those who are frustrated and are thus kept on the ignorance side of the Lord, or, in other words, those who have the view of the Lord from the back, realize him in his impersonal feature. 11. Avyaktarasasindhunam Utanam nidhanasicha udaram viditam pungso hridayam manasapadam. The impersonal feature of the Lord is the abode of great oceans, and his belly is the resting place for the materially annihilated 
living entities. His heart is the abode of the subtle material bodies of living beings. Thus, it is known by the intelligent class of men. Purport. In the Bhagavad Gita 8.17-18, it is stated that according to human calculations, one day of Brahma is equal to 1,000 ages of four millenniums, 4,300,000 years each. And the same period is calculated to be as night also. A Brahma lives for 100 such years and then dies. A Brahma, who is generally a great devotee of the Lord, attains liberation after such a downfall. The universe, called the Brahmanda, or the round football-like domain controlled by a Brahma, is thus annihilated and thus the inhabitants of a particular planet or of the whole universe are also annihilated. Avyakta, mentioned here in this verse, means the night of Brahma. When partial annihilation takes place and the living entities of that particular Brahmanda, up to the Lord's planets of Brahmaloka, along with the big oceans, etc., all repose in the belly of the Virat Purusha. At the end of a Brahma's night, the creation again takes place and the living entities reserved within the belly of the Lord are let loose to play their respective parts as if being awakened from a deep slumber. Since the living entities are never destroyed, the annihilation of the material world does not annihilate the existence of the living entities. But until liberation is attained, one has to accept one material body after another again and again. The human life is meant for making a solution to this repeated change of bodies and thereby attaining a place in the spiritual sky where everything is eternal, blissful and full of knowledge. In other words, the pseudo excuse me, in other words, the subtle forms of the living entities take place in the heart of the Supreme Being, and such forms take tangible shape at the time of creation. I'll read the lessons again. In other words, the subtle forms of the living entities take place in the heart of the Supreme Being. And such forms take tangible shape at the time of creation. Also, the consciousness of that great personality is the abode of religious principles, mine, yours, and those of the four bachelors, Sanak, Sanatan, Sanatkumara, and Sanandana. That consciousness is the abode of truth and transcendental knowledge. Ambavan bavashchaiva taime munayor munayorg rajaha surasura naranaga kagamriga sarish kagamriga sarish ripa Gandharva Saraso Yaksha Rakshabhuta Ganoragaha Pashava Pitara Siddha Vidyarash Charana Druma Onyecha Viveda Jiva Jalastala Nabhau Kasaha Graharksha Ketavastaras Tadita Stanayit Navaha Sarvam Purusha Eva Evedam 
Bhutam Bhavyam Bravachchayat Tanidam Avritam Vishvam Vitastim Adish Vitastim Ati Tishtati Beginning from me, Brahma, down to you, and Bhava, Shiva, all the great sages who were born before you, the demigods, the demons, the nagas, the human beings, the birds, the beasts, as well as the reptiles, etc., and all phenomenal manifestations of the universes, namely the planets, stars, asteroids, luminaries, lightning, thunder, and the inhabitants of the different planetary systems, namely the Gandharvas, Apsaras, Yakshas, Rakshas, Bhutana, Bhutaganas, Uragas, Pashus, Pitas, Siddhas, Vidyadras, Charanas, and all other different varieties of living entities, including the birds, beasts, trees, and everything that be, are all covered by the universal form of the Lord at all times, namely past, present, and future although he is transcendental to all of them, eternally existing in a form not exceeding nine inches. Thank you for listening so nicely, all of you. Very nice. Purport. The Supreme Personality of Godhead by his partial representation measuring not more than nine inches as Supersoul expands by his potential energy in the shape of the universal form which includes everything manifested in different varieties of organic and inorganic materials. The manifested varieties of the universe are therefore not different from the Lord. Just as, a gold, as golden ornaments of different shapes and forms are non-different from the original stock reserve of gold. In other words, the Lord is the Supreme Person who controls everything within the creation and still he remains the supreme separate entity, separate identity, distinct from all manifested material creation. In the Bhagavad Gita 9, 4, and 5, he is therefore said to be Yogeshwara. Everything rests on the potency of Lord Sri Krishna, and still the Lord is different from and transcendental to all such identities. In the Vedic Purusha Sukta, in the Vedic Purusha Sukta, of the Rig Mantra, this is also confirmed. This philosophical truth of simultaneous oneness and difference was propounded by Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and it is known as Achintya Veda Bhedhatva. Brahma, Narada, and all others are simultaneously one with the Lord and different from the Supreme Lord. We are all one with Him, just as the gold ornaments are one in quality with the stock, stock gold, but the individual gold ornaments ornament is never equal in quantity with the stock gold. The stock gold is never exhausted even if there are innumerable ornaments emanating from the stock because the stock is Purnam complete. Even if Purnam is deducted from the Purnam, still the Supreme Purnam remains the same Purnam. This fact is inconceivable to our present imperfect senses. Lord Chaitanya therefore defined his theory of philosophy as achintya, inconceivable, and as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita as well as in the Bhagavatam. Lord Chaitanya's theory of achintya beda beda tattva is the perfect philosophy of the absolute truth. Okay, uh, we'll take a couple of uh, reflections. Yes. 
Well, the, the two uh, concepts, being fortunate and frustrated, are not, uh, are not exactly um, parallel or opposites, complete opposites. Um, but I think they, in general, express that, you know, exactly what you're saying. If you're, if you're not seeing the Lord, if you're not fortunate enough to see Him, then you will be frustrated. And therefore, you're in a category of people called the frustrated, because you're not seeing the direct form of the Lord. So it's it's not a, you know, that you can take the antonym and then say, okay, this is the opposite of that, but the concept is there, just as you've expressed it. It's not, you know, do, do you want to say more about it? It's like it makes sense. Okay. As soon as we don't see um, Krishna, you know, properly, then Ampayam Dvitiya Bhinibesha Tasyad Ishad Ape Tasya Yosmit Ape Tasya. You know, if we're if our head is turned the wrong direction, we're turned away from the Lord, then we're just Abhinibesha Tasyat, Bhayam Syat, Abhinibesha we're absorbed in Bhayam and frustration and everything else. In the context that, that's that you know, Prabhupada's, he's very fluid with language and, and uh, will give the, the picture of the context rather than being, you know, exactly one is the opposite of the other, sometimes. You're welcome. Thank you for such a good question. Another reflection or question? Research department. Reflection or question. You're the most attentive at all because you're so tuned in to see which things need to be attended to. You just think about it for a minute. Anyone else? Yes, Prabhu. Because I know down the third word, there was no purport to it. But in which he says, like, oh, now that they're evacuating out there, that the universal form of the Lord is the abode of the controlling duty of death and rebirth. And they evacuated the whole of the wisdom of the Lord because of any misfortune based on her. So that, that, was, that's, that was quite like nice. Like, I don't know, like a rose thorn, like all these negative emotions, all these negative attitudes, where they belong. Like, there's no, it's a bad place to go down this road. Yeah. And just the anatomical completeness and preciseness. Uh, as given in the Bhagavatam, you won't find anywhere else. It's not there in any other scripture in the world. And to some people, it's alarming. Uh, I told the story in ISV, but when I was in Denver Airport distributing books many years ago, decades ago, a cowboy bought a book from me. You know what a cowboy is? Yeah. Howdy. He got a hat. And there's, you're a simple person, uh, probably... Um, keeping cows for the purpose of, you know, killing them. But, you know, he bought a Bhagavatam second canto. And uh, apparently he went off and read it somewhere. And uh, when he heard about the anatomical description of the universal form, he became disturbed. He wanted his money back. 
when he came back to me, he had the book like this, you know, with his finger in the book. And he said, give me my money back. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, just give it back. And I, I thought, I don't need to get smacked in the nose or something like that. So I just, here's your $10. And he handed it to me. It had, he had marked uh, inside the book a few places where the anatomy of the Lord was being cataloged. And then, you know, he had it open to that part. He just handed it to me and walked away. And so I opened it and looked and I said, yeah, I guess that would, <laughs> if, you had, if you don't have the context of the entire Vedic culture, you might take it as some sort of blasphemy. In fact, uh, there are religious cultures that don't allow any kind of graven images of the Lord or what to speak of descriptions of the personality because they consider it blasphemous that how could the Lord have a form, or if he does, how could you even describe it? So Bhagavatam is unique in that sense. That we get uh, not only the description, but also uh, the logic behind it, that we have form or emanations from the Lord. Therefore, the variety that we see in this world comes from somewhere, and it comes from Krishna who is the Supreme Person. Because that's what we take with us. So, ukramantam stitam vapi bunjanam bhagunam vitam vimunanana pashanti pashanti gyan chakshita chakshusha. A person who knows the science will see that when you leave the gross physical body, you're taking with you the subtle body. And the same thing happens when the game's over here in the material world, there's a cataclysm and everything's destroyed, you still have your subtle body, but you go into susupti, or dreamless sleep within the body of Mahavishnu, because he breathes in, everyone gets inhaled back into Mahavishnu, and then we're there for uh, unimaginable for us in our context now, amounts of time. And then we come back out, and I quoted earlier, Asao Gunamayir Bhavir Bhuta Sukshmendriyatnabi. So it's Sukshma, it's very subtle because uh, the subtle body, uh, that's why it's called the subtle body, that's, that's the part where, like on a spool, we have all some scars of our previous. Uh, interactions with the material world. And then when we come back out, then Krishna reminds us, this is where you were last time, and uh, you can take it up again, working at Home Depot or pumping gas. Remember, you wanted to drive a truck, right? Be a giraffe. I have just one little concern. I'm wondering if... Uh, you're feeling you're missing offering a lamp. Is any? Okay, I just want to, if anybody hasn't offered a lamp and you want to go and come back, or go and not come back, that's okay too. It's a free universe and this is a free room also. It's Vrindavan, you can leave and go somewhere else. If you want. You'll just be in another part of Vrindavan. Okay? All right. I figured as much. Okay.
Here we are in text number 17. Swa dishnyam pratapam prano bahischa pratapatyasau evam virajam pratapams tapatyantar bahi puman. The sun illuminates both internally and externally by expanding its radiation. Similarly, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by expanding His universal form, maintains everything in the creation, both internally and externally. You know, when you start this chapter, if you look through it, you think, oh, this is going to be boring. It's talking about the universal form. But it's so fascinating, isn't it? I mean, just this verse about how He's maintaining everything through His universal form. It just makes the, the conception of Krishna consciousness so immediate and approachable to know that we're enveloped. Well, it's a question asked by Arjuna and answered by Krishna in the 8th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, Krishna, uh, Arjuna wants to know, you know, what is the universal form? And uh, Krishna describes, here, pull up in the 8th uh, chapter of Bhagavad Gita. First, uh, the third verse, please. See the spiritual world. You've got this going on, and then you hear that going on. Everywhere you go, this is the spiritual world. Everywhere you go, there's some nectar in connection with Krishna. So Krishna's answering Arjuna's questions. And here he says at 8.3, The Supreme Personality of God had said, The indestructible transcendental living entity. That's too fast. Vaisheshikadas goes slower. The Supreme Personality of God had said, the indestructible, transcendental living entity is called Brahman, and his eternal nature is called Adhyatma, the self. Action pertaining to the development of the material bodies of living entities is called karma, or fruit of activities. O best of the embodied beings, the physical nature which is constantly changing, is called Adibhuta, the material manifestation. The universal form of the Lord, which includes all the demigods, like those of the sun and moon, is called Adidaiva. And I, the Supreme Lord, represented as the super soul in the heart of every embodied being, am called Adiyagya, the Lord of Sacrifice. Prabhupada writes, The physical nature is constantly changing. Material bodies generally pass through six stages. They are born... They grow, they remain for some duration, they produce some byproducts, they dwindle and then they vanish. This physical nature is called Adibhuta. It is created at a certain point and will be annihilated at a certain point. The conception of the universal form of the Supreme Lord, which includes all the demigods and their different planets, is called Adidaivata. And present in the body, along with the individual self, is the Supersoul, a plenary representation of Lord Krishna. The Supersoul is called the Paramatma, or Adiyagya, and is situated in the heart. The word Eva is particularly important in the context of this verse because by this word the Lord stresses that the Paramatma is not different from Him. The Supersoul, the Supreme Personality of God, is seated beside the individual soul as the witness of the individual soul's activities and is the source of the soul's various types of consciousness. The Supersoul gives the individual soul an opportunity to act freely and witnesses his activities. 
the functions of all these different manifestations of the Supreme Lord automatically become clarified for the pure Krishna conscious devotee engaged in transcendental service of the Lord. The gigantic universal form of the Lord called Adi Daivata is contemplated by the neophyte who cannot approach the Supreme Lord in his manifestation as Supersoul. The neophyte is advised to contemplate the universal form or Virat Purusha whose legs are considered the lower planets, whose eyes are, the consider, are considered the sun and moon, and whose head is considered the upper planetary systems. Isn't that a nice summary of what we're reading? And there it is. Okay, we're, we're at text number 17. I just read the verse, and now I'm going to read the purport. The universal form of the Lord or the impersonal feature of the Lord known as the Brahma Jyoti is clearly explained here and compared to the radiation of the sun. The sunshine may expand all over the universe, but the source of the sunshine, namely the sun planet or the deity known as Surya Narayan, is the basis of such radiation. Similarly, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Krishna, is the basis of the impersonal Brahma Jyoti radiation or the impersonal feature of the Lord. The impersonal Brahma Jyoti radiation, or the impersonal feature of the Lord. This is confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 1427. So the universal form of the Lord is the secondary imagination of the impersonal form of the Lord, but the primary form of the Lord is Shamsundar, with two hands playing on his eternal flute. 75% of the expansive radiation of the Lord is manifested in the spiritual sky, Tripad Vibhuti, and 25% of his personal radiation comprehends the entire expansion of the material universes. This is also explained and stated in the Bhagavad Gita 1042. Thus, the 75% expansion of his radiation is called his internal energy whereas the 25% expansion is called the external energy of the Lord. The living entities who are residents of the spiritual as well as the material expansions are his marginal energy, Tatastha Shakti, and they are at liberty to live in either of the energies, external or internal. Those who live within the spiritual expansion of the Lord are called liberated souls, whereas the residents of the external expansion are called the conditioned souls. We can just make an estimate of the number of the residents of the internal expansions in comparison with the number of residents in the external energy and may easily conclude that the liberated souls are far more numerous than the conditioned souls. You know, from your question, we're always with the Lord. He's always with us. We, we're in the body of the Lord. And then we're sitting on the universal form of the Lord. We're never separated from Krishna. We're only separated by consciousness because he's the, always the closest thing to us. We're part and parcel of him. We can never be separated from the Lord. So the reformation of consciousness is the, the vital aspect of, of human life. You ready? Yes. Here we go. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the controller of the immortality and fearlessness. As 
and he is transcendental to death and the fruitive actions of the material world. O Narada, O Pramana, it is therefore difficult to measure the glories of the Supreme Person. The glories of the Lord in the transcendental 75% of the Lord's internal potency are stated in the Padma Purana, Uttarakanda. It is said there that those planets in the spiritual sky which comprises the 75% expansion of the internal potency of the Lord are far, far greater than those planets in the total universes composed of the external potency of the Lord. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the total universes in the external potency of the Lord are compared to a bucket full of mustard seeds. One mustard seed is calculated to be a universe itself. You can write that down. It's an analogy. We take all analogies in that book. The mustard seed one. One mustard seed is calculated to be a universe itself. In one of the universes in which we are now living, the number of planets cannot be counted by human energy. And so how can we think of the sum total in all the universes which are compared to a bucket full of mustard seeds. And the planets in the spiritual sky are at least three times the number of those in the material sky. Such planets, being spiritual, are in fact transcendental to the material modes. Therefore, they are, cons they are constituted in the mode of unalloyed goodness only. The conception of spiritual bliss, Brahmananda, is fully present in those planets. Each of them is eternal, indestructible, and free from all kinds of inebrieties experienced in the material world. Each of them is self-illuminating and more powerfully dazzling than, if we can imagine, the total sunshine of millions of mundane suns. The inhabitants of those planets are liberated from birth, death, old age, and diseases, and have full knowledge of everything. They are all godly and free from all sorts of material hankering, hankerings. They have nothing to do there except to render transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord Narayan, who is the predominating deity of such Vaikuntha planets. Those liberated souls are engaged incessantly in singing songs mentioned in the Sama Veda. Vedai Sangha Pada Kramopanishadar Gayanti Yam Samaga. All of them are personifications of the five Upanishads. Tripad Vibhuti, where the 75% known as the internal potency of the Lord is to be understood as the kingdom of God far beyond the material sky. And when we speak of Pada Vibhuti, or the 25% comprising his external energy, we should understand that this refers to the sphere of the material world. It is, said, it is also said in the Padma Purana that the kingdom of the Tripad Vibhuti is transcendental, whereas the Pada Vibhuti is mundane. Tripad Vibhuti is eternal, whereas the Pada Vibhuti is trans transient. The Lord and His eternal servitors in the transcendental kingdom all have eternal forms which are auspicious, infallible, spiritual, and eternally youthful. In other words, there is no birth, death, old age, and disease. That eternal land is full of transcendental enjoyment and full of beauty and bliss. This very fact is also corroborated in this verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam 
and the transcendental nature is described as amrita. As described in the Vedas, uttam ritat veshashanaha, uttam ritat veshashanaha, from the Purusha Sukta. The Supreme Lord is the, the Lord of Immortality, or in other words, the Lord is immortal. And because he is the Lord of Immortality, he can award immortality to his devotees. In the Bhagavad Gita 8.16, the Lord also assures that whoever may go to his abode of immortality shall never return to this mortal land of the threefold miseries. The Lord is not like the mundane Lord. The mundane master or Lord never in, enjoys equally with his subordinates, nor is a mundane Lord immortal, nor can he award immortality to his subordinate. The Supreme Lord, who is the leader of all living entities, can award all the qualities of his personality unto his devotees, including immortality and spiritual bliss. In the material world, there is always anxiety or fearfulness in the hearts of all living entities. But the Lord, being himself the supreme fearless, also awards the same quality of fearlessness to his pure devotees. Mundane existence is itself a kind of fear, because in all mundane bodies, the effects of birth, death, old age, and disease always keep a living entity compact in fear. In the mundane world, there is always the influence of time which changes things from one stage to another and the living entity, originally being a vikara or unchangeable, suffers a great deal on account of changes due to the influence of time. I write that section down about avikara, how he suffers a great deal on account of changes due to the influence of time. The changing effects of eternal time are conspicuously absent in the immortal kingdom of God, which should, be there, should therefore be understood to have no influence of time and therefore no fear whatsoever. In the material world, so-called happiness is the result of one's own work. One can become a rich man by dint of one's own hard labor, and there are always fear and doubts as to the duration of such acquired happiness. But in the kingdom of God, no one has to endeavor to attain a standard of happiness. Write that down too. No one has to endeavor to attain a standard of happiness. That one. But in the kingdom of God, no one has to endeavor to attain a standard of happiness. Work with me, people. Happiness is the nature of the spirit. As stated in the Vedanta Sutras, the spirit is by nature full of happiness. Happiness in spiritual nature always increases in volume with a new phase of appreciation. There is no question of decreasing the bliss. Such unalloyed spiritual bliss is nowhere to be found within the orbit of the material universe, including the Janak, Janaloka planets, or, for that matter, the Mahar or Satyaloka planets, because even Lord Brahma is subject to the laws of fruitive actions and the law of birth and death. It is therefore stated here, Duratyaya, or, in other words, spiritual happiness in the king, eternal kingdom of God cannot be imagined even by the great Brahmacharis and sannyasis who are eligible to be promoted to the planets beyond the region of heaven. 
or the greatness of the Supreme Lord is so great that it cannot be imagined even by the great brahmacharis or sannyasis. But such happiness is factually attained by the unalloyed devotees of the Lord by His divine grace. A YouTube video, he saw a YouTube video, a discussion between devotees uh, and people of Islam. There was a question about descriptions of God. And how in Islam they feel it's uh, an offense to describe God. In Islam they, they consider it an offense to describe God. Because it's a limiting to the Lord. Because it's limiting the Lord. Uh, whereas in our tradition we, we have authoritative descriptions about God. Whereas in our tradition we have authoritative descriptions of God. But they weren't so willing to accept that. Because fundamentally, they're thinking that form means limitation. Yeah, it's wrong. What they're thinking is incorrect. Just I give a, a simple example from this world. Uh, when, when we have. Uh, more articulation or preciseness, which is uh, when we're able to, for instance, express things with, with more detail, then it becomes unlimited, not, um, it, it's, it doesn't limit it, it actually expands it. As an example, if I come in and sit down here and then I express myself only in a few grunts, my vocabulary is uh, 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 expressive grunts. That's all I can do. Then my ability to um, expand meaning becomes limited. Whereas if I can articulate language, uh, in fact, the more I can articulate, uh, the the more the the nuance expands, and the more meaning there is. In fact, you get into various forms of poetry where you're able to express concepts that are beyond reason. They actually go into a different realm and it becomes uh, more and more expansive as you get more detailed, as you get, as you become more precise. This would be compared to, uh, you know, the, the more you can give the detail of the spiritual world and the origin, the, the original source of everything, uh, it doesn't limit it. It becomes more expansive. Whereas, if you just if you say it's formless, it, you're comparing. It, it would be comparative to the grunts and groans, at best, of uh, expressing oneself through language. Same example could be given playing a violin. You know, the more I I know the details of the violin, the more I know the more I know how to express myself in music, musical form. Besides the fact that it's illogical that um, intelligent beings come from a formless mass. I mean, even in sci-fi movies, you know, when you get to the source of the energy and it's formless, it still has a voice and some pulsation to it. You know, it's like, oh, you came to my planet. 
you know it's like okay why don't you just show the whole thing you know what's behind it we always gravitate towards personality even kids if you notice how when they draw pictures they put little faces on everything i always put a face on the sun or moon when i was a kid it's like there's the sun it's got a mouth and two eyes even a car or a house you know it's it's <laughs> it's it's so much against our nature to say like the impersonal void form there's no um sense of of love gratitude or appreciation for us you give a baby a formless a doll and he'll just cry and cry but if you give him a doll with a face on it and arms and feet and legs and go because that's that's our nature we're pe we're people we're not formless it's absurd Yeah, because, you know, at different times in history, the, the people uh, who are godly and who come as representatives of, of God, bona fide representatives, give a description uh, to the level of their audience. It's just like, you know, when I'm sitting in an assembly and if a brand new person walks in, I downshift to, to start describing what they can understand. You know this, right? You, you're talking to, and somebody brand new walks into the circle, then you have to, you have to totally change the, the, the tone of what you're, uh, yeah, because then you're, you'll feel really discordant with that person. And so similarly, uh, the audience makes a difference. When we're talking about Bhagavatam and Shukadeva Goswami and Prichit Maharaj, uh, there's, of course, they do it a few times also in the, in the description of the Rasa dance. Uh, Pariksit and Shukadev noticed that there are people in here, like Yanis and some Karmis, they, they don't, they're going, wait a minute, you mean God dances with women? And so they go out of their way to say, it's not like you think, you know, <laughs> these, these are his energies, just like a child playing with a shadow. And, and so teachers do that. And so when you get a book from a particular era where someone was teaching to, to tribal people, who didn't have uh, a clue of what was going on in life and they're giving very basics and then that gets preserved and passed on. You say, this is everything. I believe Lord Chaitanya brought up such arguments with Bajuli Khan and the Patan Muslims that he met just after being in Vrindavan after he had fainted and his followers were wondering how to revive him or what to do. Then some Patan soldiers came and said, you gave him Dutura, you took all his possessions. It never made sense to me, he's a sannyasi. But, you know, they're policemen, they want to harass somebody. So then they, Mambabu, uh, awakened from his trance. Haribo! And then uh, he said, no, no, these are my followers, they didn't steal from me, I have epilepsy, sometimes I faint. And then he got in a discussion with these Patan soldiers and one of them was a priest-like person. And they um, became his devotees. He gave them spiritual names right on the spot. But in that, you know, he's describing also the kind of thing you're doing, like in the very expert ways, you know, to explain how it is that there is a Supreme Personality of God. It even described in the Quran.
You know, in one place uh, on a morning walk, I heard Prabhupada talking about this. There was a principle somebody said that some religious philosophy say you can't say the name of God because it, it's too sacred. And Prabhupada said, yes, we agree with this. That's why there's ten offenses we avoid. <laughs> said you don't just like say it, you know, <laughs> but you're careful about it. Because uh, you don't want to take it in vain. Yeah. All the commandments don't say the name of our Lord in vain. Right? Yeah. Not that there, you know, is no name, but it can it can get into that after some time, after many generations. People just say, well, let's just leave it at that. But you know, inquiring minds would want to know where do these ninety-nine names of Allah come from, and you know, if you can't say the name, what is it anyway? <laughs> Kiriraj Maharaj told us, that somebody asked him when, in one assembly we had, that, uh, why does Krishna play a flute? And he, he said, Prabhupada answered that. He said, Krishna's flute playing means Krishna's all play and no work. <laughs> one more purport? Let's read Bhagavad Gita. As Krishna, in 700 verses, as Prabhupada describes the Bhagavad Gita as the Vedic intelligence, and that light came on. By me. Um, in the Gita, Krishna says, "Ye me matamidam nityam anutishanti manava." 3:31. Just follow my instructions, and you'll be fine. But if you don't, then you're going to run into uh, head-on traffic and be in, in misery. You know, hearing hearing is really important. If a family, for instance, it doesn't have, you know, all kinds of uh, association readily available, if you hear together from Bhagavad Gita, and for instance, read Prabhupada's purports, then there's so much instruction there. And what to speak of Srimad Bhagavatam, Prabhupada said in, in, in the 10th canto, 13th chapter, this is the last chapter that he did, before he left, that if you um, come together and hear and discuss Srimad Bhagavatam, then you'll be you'll know how to do everything. So you know, start with where whatever you have now, but take full advantage of of the Vedic intelligence, because it's there for us, and it's not insignificant. It's Krishna's laid it out in such a perfect way that we can hear. And he carries what we lack and preserves what we have. When, when we're sincerely trying to advance in devotional service, he makes arrangements for us to have the kind of guidance that would represent Bhagavad Gita. Everything has to represent Bhagavad Gita, but you can start and continue and always read Bhagavad Gita to feel Krishna's uh, direction in your life. And then, of course, that would resonate with those who might instruct you in different ways. So there's always a way to be in touch with Krishna and there's always a way to to take direction. Of just there's Guru Sadhu and Shastra and available, take a, take advantage of what you, what you have right at the moment. The other ones will be follow close behind. Does that help? Yes. Okay.
Miyash is saying he likes the analogy of the bucket of mustard seeds and how each mustard seed is one universe. Yeah, I remembered from that also that Prabhupada said you can't eat human intelligence or whatever phrase he used. I can't comprehend how many planets are in one universe, what to speak of the whole bucket altogether. It shows also how every sentence has is deeply meaningful, can go into each one and uh, take away the, the nuance of it. Thank you.